Good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in your midst again. This time I came with my wife, but also with a good friend, which is sitting be behind her, Arthur Mijumbi. So, yeah, it's, it's good to be in, our, in your midst again and to share the word of God with you. Uh, as you know, we are uh, still um, talking about this topic about reigning in life. And the scripture is already there. This is our scripture that Monica also was referring to. And let's read it together. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Yeah, so this scripture uh, is talking about receiving the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. At the moment that we receive the Lord, we have received his grace and we have received the gift of righteousness. But this scripture is not talking about that. This scripture is talking about receiving the abundance of grace and the abundance of the gift of righteousness. Most of the time when you uh, receive the Lord, when people receive the Lord, they receive that gift. They receive God's grace because we know we can only be saved by grace. So you receive grace, you receive the gift of righteousness, but still we have to discover the abundance of that grace and the abundance of that righteousness. And that is something that is an ongoing process. But it is an uh, important process, the receiving of the abundance of it, because it is actually the requirement for us to reign in life. Yeah? We cannot reign in life if we have not discovered the abundance of God's grace and the abundance of the gift of righteousness. So the previous times we have, I have shared here about receiving of the forgiveness, receiving the forgiveness of sins. Um, last week, what was last week's topic? Who was here last week? Can someone still remember? So, yeah, about casting out fear, yeah? Which is actually receiving of the perfect love of God. So it has to do with receiving of God's forgiveness, receiving of God's love. So you don't do that once when you receive the Lord. No, you keep on doing that. You keep on receiving forgiveness. You keep on receiving God's love. Because we know God's love casts out all fear. And this week, this morning, I want to share with you about a topic which I want to call growth. The, the what and the how of Christian growth or increase. So what is Christian growth. Most of the time when people talk about growth, they, they say, well, um, we have to um, grow spiritually. Yeah, that's most of the time what they say. Yeah? I have to grow spiritually. But if you think about that, that is actually not what the Bible says. Because in our spirit, we don't need to grow anymore. The one thing that happened when we received Christ was that we received his spirit and we were born again. And his spirit and the spirit of God is not a spirit that is immature or a baby spirit which has to grow. 
No, we have received the Spirit of God. We have this, received the Spirit of Christ when we received Christ, when we came to the Lord. Yeah, so in that sense, you should not talk about spiritual growth. But there is still a growth and an increase that we are supposed to have in our lives. And the question now is, what kind of growth are we talking about? And you could say it is a growing into receiving of God's abundance, grace, and righteousness. It is a growth in that area, to receive. Receiving is, for most people, not an easy thing. Yeah? Some people are much better in giving than in receiving. And there are, if you give someone a compliment, many people, they tend just to ignore it, just to say, well, if you com for example, if you compl compliment a lady with, with her clothes, uh, how she looks like, so what is the response most of the time? Well, it's already this thing I have already 10 years. Or something like, well, I, uh, I bought it very cheap at the market. That's kind of, that kind of excuses. Yeah? So we are not so good in receiving compliments. Yeah? So that is just an example. And in many things, we are not so good. When I look at my own life, I was raised as a Christian from, from young, uh, from when I was a young child. But receiving God's love was not so easy for me. It was not so easy for me. And still, I can learn a lot in that area. And when I now uh, prepare this message for you, I started to see so many things in which I can still grow. And um, which can be somehow, when you are already a Christian for long, it can be discouraging. On the other hand, someone told me, if you start being aware of the fact that you still need to learn a lot and that you still need to grow a lot, that is actually a sign that you are growing. Yeah? So that is the encouraging part of it. Yeah? So I'm encouraged to share this message with you about uh, growth in, in, in a Christian life. So what is Christian growth? We already shared and I already said that it is not about growing your spirit. Yeah? Your spirit is okay. It has more to do with what happens in your soul that, that you can grow into. Um, the last time when I was here, we talked about perfect love that casts out all fear and that there is no fear in love. And we took the Lord Jesus as our example, and especially the moment that he was in the garden and that he was facing uh, all the things that were going to come over him in the next couple of hours. And if there was a moment for him to fear, it was that moment. But if you read it carefully in the scriptures, you will not find the word fear there. Yeah? Because he was perfected in love. And he did not fear. So he is our great example when it comes to uh, God's love and to live a life without fear. Study the life of Jesus. But of course, we have to study Jesus' life for everything that we need in life. And also when it comes to growing. So how can we increase um, in our life? Let's just go to what Luke says about Jesus when it comes to growing. Even Jesus grew. Yeah? You could say, well, he was the son of God and he came on earth uh, as the son of God. And um, he did not have to deal with the flesh. Um, the spirit was inside of him. Although we also know that he was baptized uh, with the Spirit uh, in the Jordan. But he had the Spirit of God because he was God himself. 
but there still was a growth in his life. And we can read that in Luke, in Luke 2. There are two scriptures, Luke 2, verse 42. Sorry, Luke 2, verse 40. Luke 2, verse 40. It says, and the child grew. <coughs> this, this is referring to Jesus. And waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So here it says that he waxed, that's another word for he grew strong in spirit. So this does not say that his spirit grew. No, in this, uh, he, the, the spirit helped him to grow strong. Yeah, that is actually what you can say about this. He, he, he grew strong in spirit and he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. And then the next uh, verse is verse 52. It says, strong in the spirit, 52. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. He grew in wisdom and in stature. Okay, let me see how it is stated there exactly. He grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor. So there you find wisdom and favor. And that word favor is charis, which is grace. Yeah? So Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in grace. These were the areas in which Jesus grew. And if he needed growth in those areas, then what about us? Yeah? We also need to grow, to increase in those areas in our lives. Now, the good thing that all these things in which we have to grow, we have already received them in our spirits. Yeah? It is there. It is not something that we have to pray for and then God has to give it to us in the sense that it is not yet already in our spirit. No, it is already in our spirit, but we increase in the sense that the things that we have received in our spirits, that we also get an understanding of those things in our minds. Yeah? It's, it's getting... It's more about getting an understanding, a wisdom, a knowledge about the things that God has given us. And that is actually what you see in the New Testament when it, when it talks about increasing, about growing. And I want just to go through, through a number of things that the Bible talks about when it comes to increase, when it comes to growing. The Bible says, and I'm not going to um, give you all the Bible references. Uh, at the end of the list, I will give you two scriptures. But I just am now summing up what we can find in the Bible. The Bible says that we are to grow in grace. Yeah? To grow in grace. To increase in wisdom and in favor. In wisdom and in grace. Um, the Apostle Paul, he prays that the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him will be given to us. Yeah? So we can grow in that area, in the, in the area of the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Yeah? We can grow in knowing Jesus. Um, in the same book, Ephesians, he, the Apostle Paul is talking about to know the love of Christ. We can always grow and increase in knowing the love of Christ. And then it talks about to be filled with all the fullness of God. Um, 
other scriptures, they talk about love, abounding in knowledge, uh, being filled with the knowledge of his will, um, and in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, spiritual understanding is uh, understanding of spiritual things, yeah? It's not that you can grow in your spirit, that your spirit starts to understand more. No, your spirit understands everything, yeah? Your spirit understands... In the spirit, you have the mind of Christ and you know all things, yeah? That's what the Bible teaches. So it's more an, an, a grow in understanding of spiritual things. An increasing in the knowledge of God, uh, abounding in faith, to be strong in the grace, grace and peace being multiplied to us in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. So these are all things that has to do with the increase and the growth that we can, that we can see in our lives. And as you already might have heard, this is not talking about an increase in material things or that is not what the Apostle Paul, Paul is, is, is praying over if he prays for the, for the, the saints. No, he's praying for that, that grace and peace and wisdom is multiplied. And these things are already in our spirit, but we should get a better understanding of what God's grace is. We should get a better understanding of what God's wisdom is. Um, and this understanding and this, this increase in God's grace and in the knowledge and in the wisdom all comes by the knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So there are two scriptures that I want to um, read with you. We are already in 2 Peter. Yeah. So maybe we can go to the end of 2 Peter, the last verse. That is 3 verse 18. 2 Peter 3, verse 18. Yeah, there Peter is saying, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. So here you find that the, that the Apostle Peter is saying, okay, you have to grow in grace and in the knowledge of, of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Another scripture that is Paul talking to Timothy is the second letter of Timothy of Paul to Timothy, the second chapter, verse 1. 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. It says, Thou therefore, my son, this is now King James, eh? be strong in the grace, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Yeah, that's also something that God says to us. Be strong in the grace in Christ Jesus. So growing and increasing in grace and in wisdom has all to do with who Jesus is. With getting to know Jesus better. And um, so what we need is an increase in knowledge, in wisdom, in revelation and in spiritual understanding of who Jesus is and of his love. And what he has done for us. That is actually, you could say, a summary of what spiritual or of what growth is in, a, in the life of a Christian. Yeah? Increasing in knowledge, in wisdom, revelation, spiritual understanding of who Jesus is and of his love for us. Yeah? And that is something that is already completed in our spirits. 
but now we also have to get an understanding in our souls. Yeah? So that is the life of a Christian and how we are supposed to grow. Now, that is about the what. Yeah? The what of uh, growth in a life. Now, the question that is uh, also important is how do we do that? Yeah? You can say this is what we are supposed to do, but now how do we do that? How do we grow in wisdom? How do we grow in grace? How do we grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus and of his love for us? You could say we grow in that knowledge and in the love of Jesus by valuing and appreciating who Jesus is. Yeah? That is actually in, in very short terms what, how growth is taking place you start valuing and appreciating what Jesus does and, and is for you. Now, that is not something that you can just do on a Saturday afternoon between 2 and 3 o'clock. That is something, this is a process in your life, yeah? Valuing Jesus. So the only way that you can value Jesus is that you start getting knowledge about who he is and what he has done for us, yeah? Listening listening to what he has done for us, hearing his voice. Yeah, so that is, that is very uh, important, that we hear what he has to say. So God is actually looking for people, for Christians who value, value and appre appreciate his son, Jesus Christ. And um, I have a story that I want to read. I'm not a good storyteller yet. I'm going to be. But this is a story I'm going to read. Yeah? So maybe another time I will tell a story. Uh, and this is about uh, valuing uh, the son and appreciating him. Actually, yesterday, when I was preparing this message, well, I prepared the message the whole week, but yesterday it, 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 the focus came. And uh, at the end of the day, I started to read my daily devotional, which I normally do in the morning. And, uh, and the good thing is, was that the devotional was about my topic of the day. And the same happened last week, exactly the same. I was preparing, at the end of the day, I started to read my daily devotional, and it was exactly that scripture. So, yeah, that was encouraging, yeah. Okay, the story is as follows. Once upon a time, there was a wealthy man Actually, that first part, I, I changed a little bit. So here you see that I'm going to be a good storyteller. Once upon a time, there was a wealthy man who loved his one and only son above all things. Together, they spent 10 years building one of the rarest, most valuable art collections in the world, with everything from Picasso to Raphael. Then war broke out and the son went off to fight. One day, the father's worst fears were realized when the war department informed him that his beloved son had been killed while attempting to rescue another soldier. About six months later, a young soldier with a large package under his arm visited the wealthy man and said, Sir, you don't know me, but I am the man your son saved the day he died. Your son was my friend, and we spent many nights talking about you and your love for art. Then he held out his package and said, 
I'm not much of an artist, but I wanted you to have this painting I've done of your son as I last remember him. The father found himself gazing at a portrait of his, own and of his one and only son. Fighting back tears, he said, you have captured the essence of my son's smile in this painting, and I will cherish it above all others. The father hung the portrait of his son over his mantelpiece. You know a mantelpiece, that is something where you can make a fire. Eh? We don't have that here, but... Uh, the father hung the portrait of his son over his mantelpiece and showed it to visitors before any of the other, before any of the other masterpieces. When the father died, his entire collection of masterpieces was offered at an exclusive private auction. Collectors and art experts from around the world gathered and were surprised when the first painting on the auction block was the soldier's modest rendering of the man's son. The auctioneer asked someone to start bidding, but the sophisticated crowd scoffed and demanded for the Van Goghs and Rembrandts. These are, by the way, Dutch, Dutch painters, yeah? <laughs> to be brought forth. The auctioneer persisted, but when no bid was offered, the crowd hissed for the auction to move on. Still, the auctioneer asked, the son, the son, who will take the son? Finally, a voice from the back said, I will bid $10 for the son. The bidder was none other than the young soldier whom the son had died saving. He said, all I have is $10 to my name, but I will bid it all for the painting. The auctioneer continued to seek a higher bid, but the angry crowd shouted, sell it to him and let's go on with the auction. The auctioneer pounded the, the gavel, I think that is the, the hammer, and sold the painting to the soldier for the bid of $10. Finally, we can get on with the auction, someone from the second row bellowed. But right at that moment, the auctioneer announced, the auction is now officially closed. The crowd gathered there, was shocked and demanded to know why. The auctioneer simply replied, According to the wishes of the deceased, only the painting of the sun was to be sold today. And whoever gets his painting gets it all. Every piece of art in this priceless collection and the entire estate in which it is housed, it is housed. The auction is closed. And with the swing of his hammer, he left the crowd sitting in stunned silence, staring at the young soldier. So maybe you have heard this story already, but I thought it was really painting well the picture that it is about God who is seeking uh, people that appreciate his son. Yeah, like the father in the story, God is looking for people who value and appreciate the Lord Jesus. Yeah, you could say whoever received the son uh, received all of God's blessings, just like in, the, in, the, um, in this story. If we, if we have the Son, we have eternal life and we have all of God's blessings. And um, yeah, so to the one who values his Son, he gives everything that he has. Now the question is, how do we value the Lord Jesus? How do we appreciate him? And I already started to say about that it is about taking time to hear his words of grace. 
and to hear what he has done for us through his sacrifice at the cross. That is one of the most important things that you can do to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus. There is a psalm, Psalm 85, verse 8. I don't know if you have the NASB. Do you have the NASB? If not, I'm going to just read it. That, that psalm and that verse says, I will hear what God the Lord will say. Yes, I will hear what God the Lord will say, for he will speak peace to his people. Yeah? God is speaking peace, has spoken peace to each and every one of us. When he gave his son to die for us at the cross, that was the moment that he spoke peace over us. And that word peace is the Hebrew word shalom. It's not just the, only the word peace, but you can translate it with completeness, soundness, well-being in body and mind, safety, contentment, and peace in our relationship. Yeah, it comes with the whole package, with all God's blessings. That is actually the peace that God speaks to her, us. But we have to start hearing. Yeah? God is speaking, and he's speaking, and he's speaking, but... The question is, do we hear? Do we take the time to hear what God wants to say to us? And um, some of you, me included, have to start re-hearing, so to say. Yeah, you might have been raised in an, in an environment where they read the Bible every day. Yeah? But you can hear the Bible every day without hearing the, the words of His grace and what God has done for, Christ has done for you. You can, you can hear the Bible. You can know every verse in the Bible without having received God's grace. So it's important that you go and listen to what Jesus has to say when it comes to his grace and what he has done for us. <clears throat> so we will never um, appreciate um, God's love for us if we don't first appreciate God's love for his son. Yeah, because he gave his son for us. He gave his son for us. So we will never know how, God, how much God loves us if we don't first know how much God loved Jesus. He gave Jesus for us. So that is actually the measure of his love to us. So that is how we can grow by looking to what God has to say about his son. And God said about his son here on earth, um, this is my beloved son, in him I am well pleased. And then he said, hear him. Yeah? So you can, he can do that pronouncement, that announcement, but he also said, hear him. So that is important, that we start listening to him. And that was said in the presence of Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. And it was not said when he came up from the Jordan, because there he was alone. But it was said on that mount where also Elijah and Moses were. So we might tend to listen to Moses and Elijah while God is saying, no, you have to listen to my son. Yeah? The law came by Moses, of what's given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So we have to listen to the son and not to make three tents. Yeah, we have only to make one tent. Yeah, you, you know what happened, eh? We only have to make one tent. Yeah, listen to what Jesus has to say. Yeah, so that's the way that we can grow in uh, knowledge and in grace. 
And a good example in the Bible, actually I want to give you two examples. Um, the first example is of the life of Mary. Now you can say which one of the six, which one of the seven maybe, I don't know how many there are. There are a few. But the Mary, the sister of Martha. Yeah, the sister of uh, Lazarus. You probably know all the story about Mary and Martha and that Jesus visited them at their home in Bethany and that he was sharing, uh, just, he was just talking and, and sharing, well, I would say God's word, uh, but you can say he was sharing his word because he is God. And, and Martha or Mary made a decision in her heart. And she said, okay, I'm going to listen. Whatever the others are going to do, I don't care. I'm going to sit down and listen. Yeah, that was her choice. Yeah, her decision. That was the priority that she took. And that she said, okay, I can be very busy with many things, but this is now the most important. Jesus is here. And now I make sure that I, I take the opportunity and I'm going to listen to him. Yeah, he's, he's the only one that has words of eternal life, like Peter said. And so I'm going to listen to him. I take my time. The world can um, disappear. Uh, there might not get, come food out of the kitchen. But I'm going to listen to what he has to say. And Jesus says, that one thing that is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part. And it's also up to you and to me. Yeah, we have the word of God. We have the full word of God. And it's up to us. Are we going to take the time to, to listen to what God is, to, is saying to us about his son, Jesus Christ? Are we going to read those things? Are we going to meditate upon those things? That is so important. And some of those scriptures, you, you know by heart, there's so many of those scriptures I've, I've heard from, from a young boy, but still sometimes they did not come, they did not penetrate into my heart. And still some of those scriptures are still now starting to penetrate, starting to penetrate into my heart. And so we have to start listening to what uh, God says about his son. That is so important. And you can also see it in the life of Martha, uh, what the fruit is of that. Because she was the only one that uh, anointed Jesus before he was buried. Yeah? Not after his burial, uh, not, not after his death, but before. Yeah? Because she knew, I think she was the only one that knew that Jesus was going to die soon. Yeah? And so that is... That is the only way that you can get into that knowledge if you, she had sat down and had listened to him. The, others, the other disciples also were there. They also listened, but they heard other things than that she had heard because she had heard certain things that made her anoint Jesus before, that he, was, before he died. And Jesus says about her that um, she did that uh, against the day of his, bur of his burying. Yeah, she had kept the, uh, the ointment, the, the anointing, the, 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 the ointment of spikenard um, against the day of him, his burying. Yeah, so she was aware of, of what was going to happen. 
And she was the only one that was in time, because the other ones were not able to, to do uh, that work of anointing Jesus because, uh, because of the, the rush in that hour. Yeah, so, so it makes you being in time and doing the right thing at the right time. If you take the time to listen to, who, what, uh, to what Jesus has to say and, and, um, and to get knowledge about who he is. Yeah, so listening to Jesus, taking time to sit, to meditate on the things about Jesus, the words of his grace, who, what he has done for us, what God has to say about the Son, that is so important. So that is one thing, listening, yeah? using those two things here at the side of your head. Yeah? But not only those two, also with your heart. Eh? Then there's another example that I want to mention in the Bible. And that is the Apostle John. The Apostle John. He's also a very good example of someone who really had learned to listen and to, and to, and to see and to, and to really look uh, attentively to the life of Jesus. And the Bible says, but we all beholding with an open face as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed. That, that word changes are transformed uh, like, like a... Um, how do you call it? A butterfly? Uh, a caterpillar? Caterpillar, eh? into a butterfly. Yeah, I was looking for that word. Now, that is the word. Eh? We are transformed. How? By beholding the glory of the Lord. And that is what the Apostle, Paul, the Apostle John had done in his life when he was walking with Jesus. He had behold him. And we know that because the Bible talks about that in the first letter of the Apostle John, uh, chapter 1. Verse 1 to 4, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon. So it's not only seen with your eyes, also looked upon. So that is, that is actually carefully, attentively looking at who Jesus is and what he did. And what our hands have handled of the word of life, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it and bear witness and shew unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. So the Apostle John is the one that got a revelation about eternal life. I think eternal life, that word, or everlasting life, it's actually the same word in Greek, but it's used either eternal or everlasting. That word eternal life is 50 times used in the New Testament and 25 times by the Apostle John. Yeah? if you read in John and in the, the letters. So he really had a revelation of Jesus and that he was eternal life. Jesus was eternal life. And knowing Jesus and being in an intimate relationship with Jesus, that was actually what the Bible uh, says about eternal life. And he had discovered that by listening to him, but also by watching him, by, by beholding him. So these are the two things you have to hear and to listen carefully what God's word says about Jesus, and then also uh, to, to, watch, to watch him. Yeah? So they, these are the two avenues. Yeah? Watching with your eyes, paint a picture in your mind when you read about Jesus in the Gospels, when you read about prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament. Try to paint a picture in your mind what that would have looked about. If you would have been there 
what would you have seen? Yeah? And that is very important to do that. Um, so the Apostle Paul, yeah, he's a very good example of, uh, of a disciple who really had tasted the love of God. And as you, as you know, as you might know, is that the Apostle Paul, oh sorry, the Apostle John, what did I say? Did I say Paul? John, eh? I'm talking about John, yeah? Not Paul this time. Uh, the Apostle John, uh, he calls, he's called in uh, the Gospels, the Apostle whom Jesus loved, yeah? which says that Jesus loved the Apostle Paul, uh, sorry, uh, the Apostle John. And, um, yeah, so that's interesting to see that, that that is a description that is used in the Gospel of John. Now, that is also interesting that only John himself is using that. Yeah? Only John himself is using, and he's referring to himself five times in that Gospel, in that gospel and he calls himself the Apostle whom Jesus loved. Yeah? And... That does not say that Jesus did not love the other apostles. And even does not say that Jesus loved the Apostle John more than the other apostles. No. Jesus loved every one of them equally. But the Apostle John was the one that really experienced God's love and exercised himself in referring to himself and talking about himself as the one who Jesus loved. And that is something that we can also learn from the Apostle John. Yeah? Talk about yourself as the one who Jesus loved. Yeah? The beloved of the Father. Yeah? In, in whom he is well pleased. See yourself like that. Talk about yourself like that. Get that, that awareness of the fact that Jesus loves you. Yeah? And that you are his favorite. I am God's favorite. Just say, I am God's favorite. Say it to your neighbor, I am God's favorite. I don't know what about you, but I am God's favorite. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so now, and that, the good thing is, God can have so many favorites. Yeah? So we are all God's favorite, but it's good for us just to say boldly, I am God's favorite. Don't think about the other one. He might not, he might also say it, but he might not say it. But then still, it's, it's truth. Yeah? to say it. Yeah? I am God's favorite. That is what he learned, what the Apostle John did. Yeah? So b become aware of God's love, Jesus' love for you. Now there are five instances, and I want to uh, finish with that. There are five instances in the Bible where he used that term, the Apostle or the Disciple, not the Apostle, the Disciple, whom Jesus loved. The first one is in John 13, verse 23. There it says, Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. That's the first instance. Yeah? Now this is during the Last Supper. So you, you just paint a picture. Jesus is there at the table with all his disciples. Even Judas was still there. And then he makes an announcement that someone is going to betray him. Someone. And Peter, as curious as Peter is, he wants to know who. But Peter is at that side of the table. And, and the Apostle John, not Paul, the Apostle John is just very next to Jesus at his bosom. 
So he gives his signs to the Apostle uh, John and says, ask him who it is, yeah? <laughs> I don't know, maybe he used his lips, yeah? But, you know, the Apostle John was just next to Jesus. He was in his bosom, eh? so you, do, you should picture it like a table where you don't sit at the table. In that time, they didn't sit at tables. They were lying at tables. So they were just lying on their right elbow. I, I just imagined that. And then, so Jesus was lying here, and then John was just lying there in his bosom, yeah, or the other side, close to his heart. And I think that is where you end up when you start seeing yourself as the one who loved Jesus. You, you end up in, an, in a place of intimacy, in knowing Jesus, in, in receiving his secrets. Yeah? John was the only one who, who knew who was going to betray Jesus because he was so close to Jesus. So if you start to being aware of that you are loved by Jesus and if you keep on saying that, you, you end up close to Jesus. You are going to be very close to him and God is going to share his secrets with you. Actually, the Bible says in Psalm 25, verse 14, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he will show them his covenant. Now that word secret, that is the word S-O-D in Hebrew, and you can translate it with a session, that is a company of persons in close deliberation by implication intimacy. Yeah, so you could say John had his own session with Jesus. Yeah? He had his own session, and he was intimate with Jesus, and, he, and so Jesus could share that secret with him. Yeah? So that is what happens when you start being aware of God's love for you. The second time that the Apostle John is referring to himself as a disciple whom Jesus loved is in John 19, and that is at the cross. When John 19, verse 26, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. So the, uh, the Apostle John was the only one that was present at the cross. Yeah? Because he was boasting on God's love for him. While the one who was boasting for his love for God, that was Peter, he was somewhere out there. Yeah, he, he, he did not dare to go. So which is actually proof of what we last week talked about. Last week we said, perfect love casts out fear. The only one, the only disciple that did not have any fear was John. Why? Because he was perfected in love. He had received God's love. So he was there at the cross without any fear. So he could minister to Jesus every, even at the point that no one else could do that because there was no disciple there, maybe apart from some women. But he was the only, only one of the 12 disciples that was there because he was exercising and knowing that God loved him, and there, therefore he did not fear. He was there right at the cross, right at the point where Jesus needed him the most at that time. Yeah, so being without fear and therefore always available to minister to Jesus at any time and at any place. Now, the third time is John 20, verse 2. That is an interesting um, um, event. 
that is when uh, Simon Peter and the Apostle John just had heard, had heard that Jesus was raised from the dead. So one of the um, women, one of the sisters came to share that news. And then they start a race. They start to run a race. You, you remember that story? Yeah, they, they, they start at the same time. Eh? So just like a normal race, you start at the same time, but you don't end at the same time. And the Apostle John, he was faster. Yeah, I like that. My name is also John. But I don't think this was recorded in the Bible just to tell us that John was faster than Peter, because who cares? Yeah? So it has a spiritual meaning. It has a spiritual meaning. I'm not yet sure exactly what that spiritual meaning is, but one thing is for sure. If you are aware of God's love for you, it gives you wings. Yeah? It gives you wings. You, you go fast. You go fast. And that is, I think, maybe there are other lessons that we can learn from this. And also, one of the things that you can read in that story is that the Apostle John outran Peter. Yeah? And then he went into the grave, and then Peter followed him. So I think if you are aware of God's love, you start to lead without you knowing. Yeah? People are following you. Yeah? Peter followed. And that is something that will happen when you start realizing how much God loves you. The fourth time is about after the resurrection, when the disciples went back fishing, and then Jesus appears at the shore, and he calls them. And it says in verse 7 of John 21, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Yeah? It is the Lord. So Peter didn't discover that it was the Lord. John had to tell him. Yeah? John had to. So he knew the voice of the Lord. He knew it. He had a quick spiritual understanding of, of the situation. He just could evaluate the situation quickly and say, oh, this is the Lord. Yeah? So that's also what is going to happen to each and every one of us. If we start receiving God's love for us, then we start quickly discerning situations in our life and, and, and knowing, okay, this is from the Lord, this is not from the Lord. This is the Lord, this is not the Lord. Yeah? This is because you start recognizing his voice and knowing when it is the Lord. The last time is in the same chapter, verse 20, John 21, yeah, that's this one. Then Peter, turning about, see the disciple whom Jesus loved following and then Jesus says to Peter, or maybe he just said to Peter, I don't know, but he said to Peter, you follow me. But he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following. Yeah? Which means that Peter has had to be told to follow. John was already following. Yeah? So when you receive God's love in your life, then following is not a big deal anymore. It is almost automatically. Yeah? Others, other disciples have, have, um, have to be told that they have to follow, but not you, because you know his voice. You are one of his sheep. You have heard his voice. You know him. You know how loved you are. So it's so easy to follow. It's actually a punishment if you don't follow, yeah? because if you don't follow, you're so far away. Yeah? So it's something that really your heart goes out to. Yeah? So these are... Two examples from the um, um, uh, Gospels, Mary and John, 
that really had listened to Jesus and really had seen him as he is, as the beloved son of the Father. Amen. I think my time is over. <laughs>